0: holy, precious name. Amen. And Margaret's got something for the, the wee children. The birds. I thought we'll be carrying on this story a bit later on. Um, the adults, and I don't speak for long. I thought I'd fill a bit of time in and we'd have a little, a little uh, children's talk. Now this will have to be answered by the older people. When I was very small, about six or seven, and my brother and my dad liked sport very much, and it was always on on a Saturday afternoon, and there was a sport on, which isn't on ordinary television now, and if I was to say to some of the older people, if I was to say, Big Daddy, Giant Haystacks, Mick McManus, what's the sport? Wrestling! And my brother used to, used to love wrestling, and then and my dad would say, they're, they're acting, it's not real, they're acting. And my brother was about five years older than me. And he decided that he and I would have wrestling matches. But before I go any further, this is not going to put me in a very good light. And this is confession time. He would organize wrestling matches. And my mother had a little bell on, on a, an ornament. And he'd ring the bell for the rounds. And it was very quick. I was very quick to realize that I wasn't going to get very far in this match because I was 6 and he was 11 and I needed a, a different attack. So um, I resorted to um, devious tactics. Um, I would hide things that belonged to him uh, so he would get into trouble. I would hide his homework and things. And don't try this at home, please, and I no longer do this. I used to put salt in his tea. <laughs> When he wasn't looking I would sprinkle salt in his tea and I didn't get found out for quite a while. He just was puzzled as to why the tea tasted funny and my mother then tumbled to it. Um, so there was there was there was a wrestling match and there was something that was the word is underhanded and not very honest and that's a bit like the story of Jacob. We're gonna watch a little film now which is called Wrestling Jacob. But the showdown with Esau never comes. Instead, he ends up in a wrestling match with an angel, with God. And Jacob is very badly injured in this. And as a result of this, his hip is dislocated. And But it changes Jacob. It really transforms Jacob's life. And he gets a new name, or another name he's called Israel. And like us, when we Come to know God, we are transformed, we are changed, and we get another name which is the children of God. So when you think of Jacob, he fell out with his brother, but he was forgiven. God forgave him, and actually, so did he. So, and we get another name, we are children of God. Thank you. Thank you. Continue in this intriguing story about Jacob at Peniel. And it's Genesis chapter 32, verses 22 to more or less to the end of the chapter. Jacob wrestles with God. (laughs) That night, Jacob got up, took his two wives, his two maidservants, and his 11 sons, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip, so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, Let me go, for it is daybreak. Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, What is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel because you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome Jacob said please tell me your name and he replied why do you ask me my name then he blessed him there then Jacob called the place Peniel saying it is because I saw God's face and yet my life was spared the sun rose above him as as he passed Peniel and he was limping because of his hip Siblings quarrel, don't they? At least in my experience they do. Um, my stepmother ha- had has five sons, um, and she said she was forever breaking up fights. Um, before they got through the door, they were fighting, and because there were five, they didn't all equally get on with each other, so Jonathan would be fighting with David, then Simon would be fighting with somebody else, and it was a constant battle, but Mostly, brothers and sisters grow out of the fighting, don't they? And they grow up. But it's, it's a bit of a motif in the Old Testament, particularly for hostile brothers. We go back to the, the Genesis story at the very beginning, and we have Cain and Abel. We have Jacob and Esau. We then move on to Joseph and his brothers. And um, when Mike was doing the story of David and Goliath, it was evident there were tensions with David and his brothers. And we move into the New Testament in James and John were arguing. And then the prodigal son and the elder brother. I think there are shades of Jacob and Esau in the prodigal son as well and, and, and the elder brother. We move into sort of... Um, Pop world, if you like. Those of us who are old enough to remember the Everly brothers remember the beautiful musical harmonies which did not last over in their personal life. They were fighting each other on the stage. I'm not sure whether they ever reconciled. Those of you who are familiar with 1970s bands right, remember Dire Straits Well, I was at school with the Knopfler brothers. I didn't know Mark Knopfler, but... Um, but he's phenomenally talented. I knew David Knopfler. David Knopfler had the looks, if the brother had had the guitar skill. To this day, they don't speak, which is very, very sad. Someone who you've shared your history with no longer speaks to you. When I was doing some counseling training many years ago, they were talking about relationships, and there was one of the gentlemen on the course was saying he was a much younger sibling, and the siblings above him bullied him unmercifully, and to this day—well, th- th- that would be back in the 90s—they didn't speak to each other. They had no communication with each other, and that, how sad is that? And Jacob, just a very brief, a brief little biography. Jacob's name means a supplanter. He took what wasn't his. Um, I've heard it in other translations, a grabber. Uh, He was deceitful, cunning. He was a real sort of of wheeler-dealer type. He was a younger twin of Esau, and even before they were born, they were struggling in the womb. And when they were born, Jacob was grabbing his brother Esau's heel. And Rebecca, the mother, had been given a prophecy that actually Jacob would, would get the birthright and the blessing. And the very sad part of the story is she didn't wait for God to, to to work that out. She decided when the time came that she would get Jacob to um, to circumvent God. She would encourage him to steal Esau's blessing. And we know the story Esau exchanged his birthright for a bowl of soup. They're twins, but they couldn't be more different. Esau's a big outdoors guy, he's a hunter. Um, it said he's hairy. And it appears Isaac favored Jacob, but Rebecca. Sorry, got it the wrong way around. Isaac favored Esau, but Rebecca favored Jacob. Jacob was quieter. He spent his time indoors. He was a bit of a chef. And he, he ex- encouraged Esau, swap, the, swap this soup. I've made this lovely stew. Have this, and I want your blessing. And Esau just said, yes, fine. But when it came to it, Jacob deceived Esau complicit were Isaac and Rebecca. Isaac should have had witnesses to the fact that Esau would receive the blessing but Jacob steals the blessing. He dresses up in in goat skins and when Isaac says who are you? He lies and says he's Esau. So he has to run away. He runs to his uncle Laban because he knows Esau could kill him. Laban was equally as bad. He was a deceiver and a manipulator and they spent all the years manipulating each other, Jacob and Laban. Jacob works 14 years but he gets the wrong wife to start with. He eventually gets the one he wants but he's worked 14 years for Laban and they were always at each other trying to sort of get one over on each other. Jacob had been promised at Bethel that God would bring him back to the land but he does what his mother did he circumvented this and he had his own cunning plan but he knows he must leave Laban he can't stay there anymore and he's going to go back and he knows he's got to confront Esau so the times that God's dealt with Jacob and told him and promised him not made one bit of difference to Jacob's life He's still the wheeler-dealer schemer who wants to do things his own way until we get to the Jabok, He's still scheming and dividing. He's very worried that Esau's going to kill him, but he's still scheming. He divides the party up so at least if Esau attacks, one's going to escape. Because, of course, he sent word to Esau, I'm on my way. Sorry about what happened 15 years ago. He saw it coming with four hundred men. and Jacob's terrified. So he then decides he will um, send uh, a peas he saw. He sends sheep, camels, goats, and he's still terrified. So he sends the wives, the animals, everybody, he sends them across the Jabbok and he is left alone. He's spent all his life a step ahead. He's outsmarted his opponents. He's quick. He's got wealth. He's got wives. He's got animals. But now, we're coming to, he's got to face his fear of Esau. Everything is at stake. So he turns to prayer. And this prayer is his lifeline. And he's on his own facing Esau. But the showdown with Esau never happens, does it? Instead, he ends up in a wrestling match with, with God. Out of nowhere, this opponent comes and starts to wrestle with Jacob. Jacob won't admit defeat, he will not. He's, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to admit defeat. And the opponent strikes Jacob in the thigh. Now, in, in boxing terms and wrestling terms, that's what's called below the belt. It's an illegal strike. But this opponent whacks Jacob in the thigh and puts his hip out. But Jacob says, I'm not, I'm not going to let go until you give me a blessing. And interestingly enough, um, in, in wrestling... You have you have the goody and the baddie, don't you? There's always the, the one who, who fights ethically, and there's there's the the the, the, um, the nasty one, and he's known as the heel. And Jacob was grabbing the heel of his brother, and the the ethical fighter is is called the face. So I thought that was that was quite interesting. So he wants a blessing. Why should he have had a blessing? Because he stole his souls. Very very interesting. And what does Jacob, what does he gain from this encounter, apart from a a, a dislocated hip? What does he gain from this encounter? Well, he gets another name, doesn't he? And all throughout the Bible, God gives people different names, a new identity. Jacob asks his opponent, what's your name? And the opponent, you're not going to get the opponent's name, but the opponent says, I'm going to give you another name. You're going to be called Israel. Israel. Not Jacob, but Israel. Now, in a sense, it's the name Jacob. That's the raw material. Israel was was the transformation. And it would be nice to think Jacob changed overnight um, into his new name, and he. Uh, but he, but he didn't. And that's like us all. The old nature comes up, doesn't it? But he, he got the blessing. And he understood that he didn't have to fear Esau. He, was, he had a transformation. And he got the blessing. He was forgiven. And he could face Esau without fear. And he, he met God. It says there, Peniel, face to face. Now, in, in the Old Testament, nobody saw the face of God and lived. But Jacob saw the face of God, and he lived. Moses had to cover his face. Now, face-to-face is by far the best way of communicating. Our old GP, retired GP, has an allotment near us, and he he would often say, I like to see people face-to-face as a doctor, because he said often people will say they're all right, but they're not. We want face-to-face. Um... I would imagine if you're in, if you're in doing counselling, you want to see how people come across, how people are, how people look. I wouldn't imagine the police interview suspects or, or witnesses on the phone, because it's easy to be less honest on the phone, face to face, and that's what Jacob got. He had to confront his soul, he had to confront his past, and he had to confront God. Now, what might this story say to us? And it it has been said, I have heard it said, it's partly to do with the wrestling with God in prayer, wrestling in prayer. Um, I'm not sure, personally, whether, I don't think we have to wrestle answers out of God, because he he already knows. God has already made the initiative to come to us. Jacob found a quiet place to pray, and he was was ready, but God came to Jacob as a wrestling opponent. Jacob always thought he was in charge, but he wasn't. God was in charge. And it was a long time before that plan was worked out. But if Jacob thought, I'm I'm the master of, of my fate, I can do this, He found he couldn't. God always takes the initiative. We might think we are, but God is always there first, and He's there drawing us to Himself. As I mentioned earlier, Jacob was transformed. He had he had a real experience, but he didn't change very quickly we haven't got time to go to go into the story further but esau forgives him and i i like to think very much that god had been preparing esau the showdown never came the fight with esau never came and there was a reconciliation and esau says travel with me jacob we will we'll travel together and jacob still scheming Says yes, um, you go ahead. I've got the the animals and, and the, the wives and children to deal with. Um, you go ahead. I'll meet up with you. He didn't have much intention of meeting up with Esau. He was still he was still at it, but God was working in him. I found I'm going to to read this quote. I found this this quote, which I think I think is is good. The Lord appeared without any intermediary to Jacob as he had done to Abraham and Isaac before him. He intervened directly to strike down Saul of Tarsus and force him to face facts he'd been refusing to reckon with. Most of the time, both before and after the coming of Jesus, the Lord has worked through his servants who declared the word of the Lord. Though you and I do not see the Lord, he still deals with us personally, breaks down our defences, and moves us to return to him in repentance, so that we may receive the blessing he has for us. I'm going to finish by by reading, well, it's a very old hymn, although I've never ever sung it before. Some of you um, who have used older hymn books might have heard of it. It's actually a poem by Charles Wesley, um, Come, O Traveller Unknown. Come, O Traveller Unknown, whom still I hold, but cannot see. My company before is gone, and I am left. I cannot flee. With you all night I mean to stay, And wrestle till the break of day. Yield to me now, for I am weak, But confident in self-despair. Speak to my heart, in blessings. speak. Be conquered by my instant prayer. Speak, or you hence shall never move. And tell me that your name is love. I know you, Lord, and who you are. You are the feeble sinner's friend. Nor will you with the night depart, but stay and love me till the end. Your mercies never shall remove. Your nature and your name is love. As we now come to to communion, to the time when we, in faith, try to understand just a little of what Jesus... And the fellowship fellowship of the Holy Spirit Spirit be with us all all evermore. Amen.